This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. Useful with a pleasant degree of humor. That is the tagline for the Old Farmer's Almanac, an annual handbook for American growers, farmers, and gardeners, celebrating its 225th year in publication this year. To celebrate, we're joined this week by Janice Stillman, editor. When Janice joined the Old Farmer's Almanac as editor in 2000, she made history as being not only the 13th editor in the Almanac's history, but the first female to hold the title. In her role as editor, Janice oversees the development of the annual publication and also has a hand in the preparation and production of the seasonal All Seasons Garden Guide, among other additional titles. Janice is joining us today via Skype from the Old Farmers Almanac headquarters in Dublin, New Hampshire. Welcome, Janice. Hi, it's great to be with you. Thank you for that lovely uh, introduction. Well, it's just so exciting to be speaking with you. And, you know, the Old Farmers Almanac is one of those iconic publications in the U.S. as a gardener or a farmer. You go to a feed store, you go to your nursery or even bookstores, and you see that very specifically sized little yellow covered book, and you know the Farmers Almanac is out. And To celebrate 225 years in continuous publication is pretty impressive. Let's start with what even is the the Old Farmer's Almanac? When when was it started and and by whom was it started, Janice? Well, the Old Farmer's Almanac was started by the fellow who's pictured on the cover on the right. There are two people pictured on the cover. On the left is Benjamin Franklin. He was, of course, the father of almanacs because he founded Poor Richard's Almanac. (sighs) And then you have uh, Robert B. Thomas on the right. They were not contemporaries. They didn't know each other or, or each other's publications. But Robert B. Thomas was born in western Massachusetts in the uh, middle of the 18th century. And like everybody else around him, he grew up on a farm. Everybody grew their food, kept animals. And if they didn't have something, they traded, bartered, or bought what they needed. And there were farmer's almanacs of that time because farmer's almanacs is a generic category, sort of like news magazines, sports, fashion magazines, there are farmer's almanacs. And Robert B. Thomas read the farmer's almanacs of his day. And as he grew up and realized what the what information was necessary around his own farm and those of his friends and family, um, he decided that he wanted to have his own almanac. And he also got really hooked on astronomy. As you know, back in those days, There weren't very many newspapers. People had very few books. In fact, it's said that most homes had only two books, a Bible and a farmer's almanac to read. As it happens, Robert B. Thomas's father was a teacher, so he had several more books on the shelf in the home. And one of them was Ferguson's Astronomy. Mm. And Robert B. Thomas would take that book and go out and lay in the fields after doing his chores and look up at the moon and the stars and look for the planets and the constellations and shooting stars and different things. And he really developed an affection and enthusiasm and even deep knowledge of astronomy. So as he was going through school and learning things, he decided that he wanted to produce his own almanac. And ultimately, in his early 20s, he went to Boston and learned how to make the calculations for the year 1793. And of course, he did that the year before. Every almanac is produced the year before the cover year. And he printed 3,000 copies. It sold out, and Uh. he was in business and on his way. So when you say that, first of all, that's just fantastic. That's great information. My next question was going to be, why is 
um, Benjamin Franklin on the cover with him. And so when you say he, he went and learned how to make the calculations, this is a day prior to meteorology as we understand it or weather forecasting as we understand it now. When you say calculations, what are you talking about, Janice? Well, Robert B. Thomas went to Boston to work with an almanac maker. Again, there were several farmers' almanacs in that time, and a lot of them had some astronomy information and some advice and, you know, some other things. In fact, you can Google farmers' almanac uh, 18th century, and you'll see a few pages pull up, and you'll also see Robert B. Thomas's pages mm -hmm. pull up on the screen. So there were people around who knew how to calculate the calendar, calculate the moon rise and moon mm -hmm. set, the sunrise and sunset, all the astronomical events of the following year, or really any period, but not too far ahead. As you point out, they didn't have calculators, they didn't have computers. In fact, for many years, I'd say even a couple of centuries, the Old Farmer's Almanac was considered a sort of calculator or even a computer for its day with all of its charts and tables. Right. But he made the astronomical predictions, the calculations for all these significant astronomical events for the following year. And that is indeed what makes the Old Farmer's Almanac a calendar of the heavens. It is a predictor of all of the rise and set of the sun, the length of day, the rise and set of the moon, the phases of the moon, the meteor showers, the seasonal events, the conjunctions of the planets, certainly more today than Robert B. Thomas had 225 years ago, because as you point out, we do have state-of-the-art technology and a lot more resources to draw on and, and, and arguably with greater accuracy. But uh, the Old Farmer's Almanac is a calendar of the heavens, and it was set forth that way by Robert B. Thomas. So you'll find the calendar pages, those columns of numbers on mm -hmm. the left, and the fun, quirky trivia and data and farmer's calendar essay on the right, and the calendar pages. Um, that's what that is that consists of all of the astronomical predictions for the forthcoming year. And so when we're, we're looking at a book, the, the heart of it is that calendar section with all of those tables. And he, of course, was coming from the Northeast. And so um, Boston is considered sort of the center of the universe and everything is corrected in terms of times and days from there, which I, I find to be fun. Yes, I mean, I think then and certainly now Boston is has long been known as the hub. Um, back then, of course, it, the Old Farmer's Almanac was not the old Farmer's Almanac. Right. It was not old <laughs> until Robert B. Thomas himself passed on. But it was Robert B. Thomas's Farmer's Almanac, and it was a regional publication. It was mm -hmm. created for the New England states and parts of New York because, you know, you can imagine distribution was on horseback or by carriage. And in fact, sometimes itinerant peddlers grabbed a fistful of almanacs and sold them as they made their way across the countryside selling pots and pans and other pan potions and lotions. So it was a very much a Northeast regional publication. The weather forecasts were regional. Um, all the advice, the, the earliest editions, by the way, um, were about 46 pages. They included the vacation dates for schools like Harvard University and Dartmouth University, again, uh. being two of the um, oldest schools in New England, because farming families needed to know when those kids were going to be available to come back and work the farm, what the school uh. vacations were. It had an interest table so that folks could calculate for their borrowing and their lending of money. Mm. It had um, distance between places. Several pages were given over to the miles between towns. There were no maps 
there certainly wasn't, you know, a Google right. uh, or MapQuest <laughs> kind of function. So folks had to know how far is the town I have to travel to. And so on horseback or by carriage or even walking, you know, dare I say, uh, how long is that going to take me and how much time should I plan? There were also court dates announced because my understanding is that judges traveled and held court in different communities. Mm. So it was a reference book from cover to cover, but with a sort of more more topical and necessary information for each generation, each period of time. And even today, some of the reference pages change out occasionally in the old Farmer's Almanac. You know, it sort of depends on what might be topical or what we might have space for, frankly. But um, it's always intended and, and planned and we hope to be meant to be useful um, for the folks in the moment in that current time. Mm-hmm. And I had read somewhere in this current edition that it is 80% accurate. The weather forecasts are traditionally 80% accurate, but That's everything else in the Farmer's Almanac is 100% accurate. Right. <laughs> the, um, and all of, I had forgotten just how much astronomical information was in there. So it was it was really fun to peruse some of those, um, the information about the different planets and when they would be where and how bright they would be. and uh, Bright stars, twilight, um, eclipses, visible planets, as you point out, all of them out there, Venus, Mars. Jupiter, Saturn, and Mercury. Do not confuse Jupiter with Virgo's brightest star, Spica. Jupiter is much brighter and Spica is blue. You know, I should point out that a lot of astronomy clubs across the country use the Old Farmer's Almanac ah. for um, their reference because they find the information accurate and reliable and, and actually easy to follow. So yeah. it's it's really meant for people of all ages and interest levels and, and knowledge levels, honestly. In 1792, when Robert B. Thomas sold out these 3,000 copies. Who would those readers have been, Janice? And then who who are the readers now? You, you know, back then in 1792, 93, 95, into the early 1800s, there were folks who, you know, again, grew up on farms, lived on farms, grew their own food, kept their own animals. And everybody, just like today, was looking to save a little time, Um you know, just do things more efficiently, learn the latest, newest way to do something. Mm -hmm. And they look to Farmer's Almanacs to do that. And Robert B. Thomas from the first determined that his almanac would be useful for all those kinds of things, but with a pleasant degree of humor. Mm -hmm. And with all due respect, when you've typically got very few newspapers to read, and it's some the only books on the shelf, maybe the Farmer's Almanac and the Bible, and you need a lift after a hard day at work, it may not be the Bible that you turn to, it may be the Farmer's Almanac. And Robert B. Thomas recognized that and introduced trivia. He introduced some jokes and anecdotes and pleasantries, which is a section still in the publication today. Mm-hmm. But uh, he introduced information that would give people a smile, and, and indeed that is what so many people um, do when they see the yellow cover of the old Farmer's Almanac. It makes people smile. He gave them a publication that would satisfy interests that they didn't know they had in many cases. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even today, you know, it's folks... Yes, they're farmers and gardeners, as you pointed out, but they're folks who are interested in astronomy, folks who are interested in trends. We have um, the best fishing times in the publication. Folks who really want to change from the headlines sometimes, and they want to lift, they want a distraction, and that's, again, where useful with a pleasant degree of humor comes in handy. Folks just like the tradition, and that's what I think people turn to this publication for. For centuries, it's the the traditions in harvesting and growing, the traditions throughout the calendar, the seasonal events, 
With the special features we have in the 2017 edition celebrating the 225th anniversary, we had to eliminate a couple of regular pages, and one of those is the Glossary of Almanac Oddities, and that's the two-page spread that runs in just about every edition. We have had several calls, several emails about where's the Glossary of Almanac Oddities, (laughs) and it points out things like ember days and halcyon days, and these all appear in the calendar, in the calendar pages, but they're explained in a little bit of detail in the glossary, and we'll return that in the 2018 edition, but, you know, folks turn to the almanac for annual events, little reminders. Its appeal for generations has really been the same. I have to admit that I've considered to myself now for the 17 years or so that I've been in this position that it's such a simple mission, such a simple goal to be (laughs) useful with a pleasant degree of humor. And it's worked for 225 years and and with with a luck and, and good work, you know, it'll continue for who knows however long more. Every year for the past 225 years, farmers, gardeners, landholders, and growers of all kinds have been consulting the Old Farmer's Almanac for weather predictions, growing suggestions, and important dates based on, among other things, astronomy and planetary movements and dates. We're speaking this week with Janice Stillman, the 13th editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac, to hear more about its history and uses. We'll be back after a break. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. Before the break, we began our conversation with Janice Stillman, 13th editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac, celebrating its 225th year in continuous publication since being founded in 1792. We're just back after a break to hear more. Welcome. One of the things I I found really fascinating about this is just how useful it was. The range of articles addressing different topics, so really good essays in this edition on pollinator gardening, on harvesting and growing heirlooms, on seed saving, on dry gardening cover crops, and a specific one on turnips under the heirloom category. There was of course, all the astronomical information. And then there were several really interesting pieces on different aspects of nature. So there's a a lovely essay on the mangroves and the ecology of the mangroves in the southeast. At what point did the Almanac expand its audience to include such a broad range of regional information? Um, At at, what point did it spread out to not just being northeast focused? So the Old Farmer's Almanac is, as we talked about, a calendar of the heavens, and it is from that that flows all of the content categories. So you've got weather, because weather defines the seasons. Mm -hmm. And what do you do in the seasons but plant and maintain and then harvest and store your crops? And of course, in certain times of the year, it's best for fishing. And when you've grown your crops and stored them and kept your animals and, and maybe slaughtered them, then you need some recipes. And you also like a bit of amusement. So there is amusement stories and there's anniversary because it's a calendar. All of these things, of course, just are timeless kinds of topics. And because it's also an annual, it's a time capsule of the year. So we've got trends on what people are eating, what's hot in medicine, what's collectible, um, what's new in farming trends and what plants are new in gardening. Um, You know, all these categories that flow in and out of nature and the calendar. 
The old farmer's almanac was bought by Rob Sagendorf, a fellow who started Yankee Magazine here in Dublin, New Hampshire in the 1930s. Mm. And he had an opportunity to buy the old farmer's almanac in the late 1930s, and he took it. He loved almanacs. In fact, he's written a book about almanacs in the history of America. And he determined that he would return the old farmer's almanac, which had... He had a few rough spots. It hadn't been given the attention it deserves. It hadn't really been fulfilled uh, to Robert B. Thomas's mission to be useful with a pleasant degree of humor. It had it had sort of um, um, it become kind of just a, a small piece of business that a publishing firm just kind of kept going. So Rob Sagendorf acquired the publication and restored all of the content areas that we just talked about. He increased the publication circulation to national by introducing climatic regions, five weather forecast regions in, from coast to coast back in uh, 1967. And he maintained those six regions for about six editions. And then in 1973, we added a full 16 uh, weather regions. And today there are 18 weather regions. So we've got the entire continental U.S. In, as well as Alaska and Hawaii as weather regions in the publication. So it's been a national publication since the late 60s, hmm. 1960s. When did you become involved? I was invited to be the editor, the 13th editor in the year 2000. Judson Hale, who was then the editor-in-chief and had been for more than 50 years, invited me to put it off for a few weeks and he would hire a, another person who would be the 13th editor and I could come on as the 14th editor, all this in case I had any fear of being 13 anything or the number or any of the implications. And I said, you know, that's a swell idea because I laughed too and he laughed. Um, and I said, no, that's not necessary. And in fact, 13 has turned out to be a very lucky number for me. And I'll celebrate my 17th anniversary in August. And was it part of your life before that? Was it a part of your life growing up? I have to say it was not. I was not familiar with the old farmer's almanac growing up. I grew, okay. grew up in the suburbs of Boston. You can probably hear it in the way that I speak. <laughs> um, so be it. Uh, but, um, you know, I gardened a little bit. Um, I, you know, have an affection for animals. And I, I, you know, I like being out in nature. But I didn't know the publication and, um, you know, like a lot of people, honestly, when I first picked it up and started thumbing through pages, I said, what in the world is this? What is this mix of information? Why are all of these things in here? What is this supposed to be and do? And um, so Jed Hale suggested that I read every single edition of the Old Farmer's Almanac and kind of get a sense of what the publication was. And I've read a whole lot more in addition to that. And I learned what the almanac is and what it does and what people expect from it. And um, it really is a, a, a thrill to be a part of an American icon. Yeah. And in fact, it was a couple of years in that in working with the publication, we introduced the black tabs on the sides of pages that point out the calendar pages and the weather pages and also the reference pages, as well as the um, words identifying the content areas like astronomy and food and weather and pets and home remedies and like that as a way to help people negotiate the book and navigate and figure out what the area of interest was that they mm -hmm. happened to find on a given page. I definitely found those very useful. So besides the almanac, 
itself that comes out once a year. You also have a handful of seasonal guides. For my listeners, I think the gardening guide might be uh, of great interest. Describe what it is and how it's different from the information in the almanac itself. For one thing, of course, it's a it's a glossy format. But how often does that come out? And and what will readers of the farmers almanac find in the garden guide? The Old Farmer's Almanac Garden Guide is an annual publication. It comes out late February, early March, all across the country, wherever magazines are sold. It is, as you point out, a glossy publication. It's large size, about eight and a half by 11. And this year you will find a, an array of vegetables under a bright orange, a day glow, neon orange title garden guide. And it is, like the title suggests, we hope, uh, advice and tips on how to grow any number of things ornamentals, edibles. Um, It's got recipes in there. It's got some time-saving tips, several charts, which are typical of the Old Farmer's Almanac, gardening trends, new plants, new ideas that are coming on. Um, And as the the, uh, 2017 edition says, we endeavor to help you to grow like a pro. Mm -hmm. You'll find in here 48 beautiful blooms, all kinds of tips on some tasty, tiny tomatoes. You know, it's nice to grow a big, fat, two-and-a-half-pound tomato, but sometimes the little ones are just as delicious and maybe easier for some new gardeners. You'll find 15 small space fruit trees. A lot of folks are getting into small space gardening with dwarf trees and other shrubs and plants. You'll find a pickler's paradise because, again, in this particular issue, we sense that a lot of folks are into pickling and kimchi. Recipe for that Mm -hmm. in here, by the way. Um, Easy herbs to grow because, let's face it, it's a lot less expensive to grow your herbs, herbs for your kitchen garden, for your cooking than it is to go out and buy them every time you need them. Mm. And also, of course, some cool apps and hot trends. Those are just a few of the things in the 2017 edition. It's meant to be um, a helping guide, a handbook for folks, um, some advice and new ideas. The Old Farmer's Almanac Garden Guide has actually, I should point out, been around in one iteration or another for, oh, about 25 years. Mm. It it had been a digest size. It had been uh, four times a year. Um, But we went into this full size about four years ago, and, um, you know, each edition gets better and better. Full color, by the way, and like the newspaper print you find in the almanac, not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, this is um, a very modern magazine for modern gardeners of all uh, experience and interest levels. Mm -hmm. So as we start to wrap up, the almanac and its side publications have long and healthy histories. What are the hopes for the future as its editor? We certainly want to continue to grow our circulation. I should point out that uh, the Old Farmer's Almanac has been printing and distributing 3 million copies for as long as I've been here, which, as I say, is almost 17 years, which is pretty good in the world of print publishing these days. Yes, it is. About a half a million of those are of the special Canadian edition, which is distributed throughout Canada and contains Canadian astronomical information and tabular pages and weather forecasts and other pertinent uh, Canadian features, for example. We have e-publications called Extra. That's a monthly edition. We hope to put out more uh, pages and more content like that. The Old Farmer's Almanac itself is available as an e-book. We have a mobile website. In fact, uh, the Almanac and uh, our cookbooks are available as uh, e-books. You can get it for just about any device. Um, we have an Old Farmer's Almanac for Kids. We're now producing the seventh edition. It's hard to keep track here. It's a biannual. It comes out every two years. Uh, that's coming out in the fall. We do uh, 
eight or nine calendars. It's hard to keep track, a weather calendar, a gardening calendar, country calendar, engagement calendar, which is a spiral-bound hardback for desktop, a page-a-day, everyday calendar. So we're a busy group here. People say, <laughs> oh, you produce one publication a year, and it's it's quite a bit more mm-hmm. than that. So, um, you know, we, we just hope to keep uh, in, increasing our product line and, um, you know, making new friends across the country and around the world. The, the information in the book, including, you know, really accessible descriptions of how and why we have seasons and where we are positioned in the universe as planet Earth, I found just really comforting. They were so basic and yet complex and something I think that many people have lost track of that exact perspective. And so it is useful information. Last question. Tell us about the hole in the almanac at the top left-hand corner, Janice. Every print edition of the, well, except for the hardcovers, has a hole in the corner. And that hole is so people can hang it up. In the earliest years of the almanac, going back again when it was about uh, 46 pages, folks would take it and drive a hole through it with a nail so they could hang it up in the outhouse or in the shed or in the barn or the kitchen or wherever. And uh, with the industrial age, we were able to start punching holes in the corner for folks and selling it with the hole. In the late 1990s, before I joined the company, there was a reader survey conducted, and one of the questions was, what about the hole? It's costing us about... Oh, dollars $46,000 to do this, and we think that that could be money spent elsewhere. And there was a line, landslide response <laughs> from readers taking the survey that said, please never quit making the hole. We love the hole. The hole is the old farmer's almanac, so we continue to punch the hole in the corner. My understanding is that they can still, even in this industrial age, punch 12 to 15 holes at a time. And when you're printing 3 million copies of the publication, you know that that's going to take a little bit of time. (laughs) But it's all done. And then the books are all wrapped and and bundled to go to stores across the Americas by uh, special order. And uh, we get them out into stores in mid to late August every year. Well, I love the hole. And if I had an outhouse, I would hang it there. So... (laughs) Janice, thank you very much for being a guest today. It's been a pleasure. It's been useful and humorous, Janice. It's been delightful to talk to you, and thank you very much. Join us on Facebook at The Old Farmer's Almanac or on Twitter or on Pinterest, and certainly visit us at almanac.com. Very good. Thank you so much. Janice Dillman is the 13th editor and only female editor in the history of The Old Farmer's Almanac, an annual handbook for American growers, farmers, and gardeners, celebrating its 225th year in publication. Both the Almanac and its seasonal garden guide are available in stores across the country. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Thank you for listening. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit mynspr.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit jewelgarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and jewelgarden.com. The program is made possible in part by the Stanley Smith Horticultural Trust. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.